BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. If I could have, I would have, says Robert Mueller. Boy, that's pretty clear to me. He knows Donald Trump committed a crime. He just couldn't charge him with one. Hello, everybody. What do you say? What a big day yesterday. What a big day today. Robert Mueller, his one and only public appearance. The Sphinx speaks. We finally know what he sounds like. That was weird, wasn't it? (laughs) Looked a little stooped. Uh, not real glib on camera, looked very seldom looked up at the camera, uh, read mostly from his notes, stumbled over a few words, uh, spoke in, uh, legalese, not very clear, but he did make his points and his points were not helpful, uh, to Donald Trump. And basically he said to Congress, okay, I did my job now up to you guys, up to you. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we go. It is a Thursday, May 30. Countdown (laughs) begins right now. Yes, indeed. Good to see you today for this next to last of the uh, daily shows here, the two-hour shows of the uh, Bill Press Show before we move to the podcast format. So it's good to see you. Great to have you with us, whether you're joining us online, on the radio, or on television Yes, indeed, it is. Uh, there are several big stories today, uh, three of them, okay? They are in, in, in order of importance. Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller. Yeah, One that's what it's days. all about. One of those days and the reaction to Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller. And your reaction, we want to hear from you. You heard him. You saw him. What do you think should happen next? Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. But... First, this is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. So remember it was yesterday I said that Netflix came out (laughs) and said that it would be uh, if Georgia enacted this six-week abortion ban, they would not be filming anything in there, which is a big deal. Here's an even bigger deal. Bob Iger yesterday said it would, quote, be very difficult for Disney to keep filming in Georgia 
if the state enacts a new abortion law. Now, Disney movies you think of as being animated and all of that, but remember, Disney owns Marvel. Some of oh, the biggest God, movies yeah. in the history of cinema, including the Black Panther, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, all the whole Marvel thing. And a ton of them have been filmed in Atlanta. Atlanta has really built itself yeah, as yeah, it has, Hollywood right. of the South, and so many Marvel movies are done in Atlanta. He said, Bob Iger said in an interview with Reuters, it would be, again, quote, very difficult for them to continue working in Georgia if it happens. I Good think for them. Great. Good for them. Yeah, that's look, that, that would hit them in the pocketbook real That hard. talks. That talks. Yeah. Right? They can be as retrograde as 19th century as they want. Exactly. Or they can, you know, shape up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, remember the iPod? Uh, yeah. Not many people use the no, iPod anymore. No. Now, remember, it was a couple years ago that they got rid of the uh, sort of analog iPod and moved it to the iPod Touch, which basically is just, it looks like an iPhone. You just can't call anybody right. on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they just released the first new iPod since 2015. Apple no, announced really? it yesterday. Yeah, they say it's smaller. It's huh. cheaper. They say that it will help attract a different market segment than customers who buy the premium iPhones. Uh, iPhones, by the way, are in a little bit of a sales slump. Uh, and they admit that they are prohibitively expensive. And so they're saying some people might look at that and say, well, maybe we should just buy one of these iPods because so few people actually make phone calls anymore. So they just use it for music. They huh? just use it for music. Or you can put apps, games, streaming services, all of that stuff on your iPod Touch. This is going to run faster. It's going to be smaller. It's going to be cheaper. And uh, they think that there are some people out there who want to buy an iPod Touch. Now, uh, you won't be able to make phone calls on it, but you will have FaceTime capabilities. So you will be able to do video conferences and video calls with people. I remember when the hot thing was... So what do you have on your iPod? Yeah, You're right. Always talking about that. Don yeah. Imus just talk about it every day. <laughs> That's right. This is the Bill Press Show. Okay, I've done my job. Now it's up to you to do yours, Robert Mueller told the Congress yesterday. In a rare public appearance, Robert Mueller making that statement, and now it's up to Congress to decide, is it going to follow his lead and finish the job or not? Hey, what do you say, everybody? <clears throat> Here we go. On a Thursday. Boy, what a big day. Thursday, May 30, 2019. Uh, and that statement uh, just took nine minutes by Robert Mueller to shake up the entire Washington establishment. He even succeeded in getting Donald Trump to change his tune when it comes to the Mueller report. Not entirely, but a distinctly different response from Donald Trump after Robert Mueller addressed the nation yesterday. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. In this penultimate Bill Press two-hour show, all wraps up tomorrow morning uh, on Friday, May 31st. It's great to see you. Thank you for joining us as we come out to reach out to you from our studio on Capitol Hill, as always. On coast to coast, nationwide, we're with you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you, of course, on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and out in Chicago, 
WCPT, yes, the great progressive voice of Chicago, and then on television, on Free Speech TV. Uh, again, as we've told you as many times, after a great golden 14 years, uh, we wrap up the longer version of the uh, Bill Press Show uh, tomorrow and move to our podcast, which is going to launch next week. No time off for this guy. Uh-uh. No time off between jobs. Just moving right into the podcast format. Uh, we're going to call it Bill Press Pod. Bill Press Pod. That's where you'll find us, wherever you get your podcast. We'll get the word out to you, but just letting you know. Uh, so whether it's uh, Apple Podcast or on your podcast app on your phone or whatever, uh, wherever you find your podcast, you'll find us there starting next week right away on Bill, Kess, Bill, Bill Press Pod with a different format, different look, and we're doing a deep dive into some issues and talking to some big names in the political world as well with a big focus, of course, on 2020. But the focus yesterday, so Bill Press Pod, follow us, stay with us. Wanna, I want to keep the, uh, keep the whole team together here. Uh, now, yesterday, Robert Mueller, boy, I got to tell you, nobody knew this was coming. We finished our show. Peter, you remember? We were just sitting around. And suddenly, this is about 9.30 East Coast time. Yeah. Suddenly we looked up and said, what? <laughs> yeah. And all the cables were going crazy saying, Robert Mueller is going to speak at 11 o'clock. And we said, whoa, whoa, where did this come from? Out of the blue. Obviously, he knew what he was going to do. It had not been announced ahead of time. was only announced yesterday morning. Uh, and he decided he was wrapping up. He was shutting down his office. He obviously wanted to make one statement, and he. By the, we haven't heard from him in two years. I mean, he is the Sphinx, right, of Washington, as we called him the only guy in Washington who could keep a secret. I had never heard him. I didn't know what he sounded like, right? And um, But I think it's pretty clear that he was still upset that his um, – report had been mischaracterized by the attorney general and by the president of the United States. Uh, and so as a parting shot, he wanted one last whack to sort of like set the record straight. Now, I got to say, first of all, I wish he had set the record straight. The one thing that frustrates me about Robert Mueller is he talks like a lawyer. He talks in legalese. He, he never says anything like straight out, flat out. Like, what did I... Maybe you too. I think we all want to hear hear him say, Donald Trump lied. Donald Trump, there was collusion, a lot of it, just not a criminal conspiracy. He did try to obstruct justice. He lies when he said he didn't try to obstruct justice. Uh, he did commit impeachable offenses. He, you know, just, just flat out, just say it. Instead, Mueller just talked all around these issues without, without really dropping the hammer. But still, you got to say, he said a lot of powerful stuff yesterday, right? He did say, in, in his summary of the report, took nine minutes, and we'll hear some of it in just a minute, but just summing it up. Robert Mueller did make these points. He did say, one, there was all kinds of collusion that Donald Trump and his the Russians had a, what was it, the phrase that he used, let me just grab it here, was very, very important, that there was a, Russia engaged in multiple systematic efforts 
to interfere in our election. And he said the Trump campaign was aware of them. There were a lot of contacts between the Trump campaign and the Russians. And uh, even though they didn't find enough evidence to charge him with a criminal conspiracy, there was collusion. Now, and Mueller said, this is something which deserves the attention of every American. That was his very last comment. He mentioned it in the beginning. He came back to it. He said, I want to make one final point. Russia was up to no good. They were trying to help one candidate over the other. And he said, that deserves the attention of every American. Remind ourselves, Donald Trump has yet to acknowledge that Russia did anything, let alone condemn it. And in fact, in Helsinki, he said, Vladimir Putin tells me he didn't do it. Therefore, I believe Vladimir Putin over all of our intelligence agencies. That's the first thing Mueller said. Second thing he said was there were tons of attempts, well, 10 attempts documented by Donald Trump to obstruct justice. Did that, detailed in the report, did that amount to a crime? That's where Mueller uh, is very, very careful. And he says, we didn't make, we, we didn't make a decision about that. But the fact that we did not accuse him of a crime does not mean that he didn't commit one. He said, our hands were tied. We could not convict him of a crime. We could not accuse him of a crime because there's a Department of Justice policy that says no sitting president can be convicted of a crime. That's why he said we did not reach a conclusion, which, by the way, totally contradicts what that lying Attorney General Bill Barr told the American people that that Department of... He said in his news conference months or so ago, Bill Barr said that that Department of Justice policy had nothing to do with Bob Mueller's conclusion. Bob Mueller said just the opposite. He said that was the one and only reason why they did did not um, uh, convict, accuse the president of a crime. But he said also... They did not clear him. The fact they didn't commit, he he made that point yesterday again. The fact that they did not accuse him of crime doesn't mean he didn't commit one. Basically, Mueller said, if I could have, I would have, but we couldn't because of that policy. And then the third thing Robert Mueller said was, the big, big thing was, okay, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said, I've done my job. Now it's up to you to, you to do your job. In fact, he said that this is a constitutional, here, here's his exact wording. The Constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system to formally accuse a president, a sitting president of wrongdoing. So he said the Justice Department has this policy, so it can't be done through the criminal investigation. This has to be done the constitutional way. Again, he didn't say this. You have to translate the legalese, but the legalese is, from Robert Mueller, the only way forward is impeachment. And I got to tell you, and you've heard me, um, that I think the Democratic leadership uh, has been right so far in saying, let's not rush into impeachment. Let's, you know, let's focus on legislative agenda. Let's focus on 2020. But after yesterday, I've changed my mind. I really think the Congress has no choice now but to move to an impeachment inquiry, which is the first step toward impeachment hearings. But to take Mueller, to bring Mueller in to testify, to bring Don McGahn in to testify, to line him up, and to begin to make the case 
for impeachment. And if they find that, the, and by the way, the American people may not be there yet, but they weren't there in the beginning on Watergate either until they held, held that impeachment inquiry and people started to see the evidence. Let Congress do that. Start the impeachment inquiry, build the case, and if they come up with a strong enough case, then move to impeachment hearings. But I think that uh, Robert Mueller basically has dared Congress uh, to do its job. And um, that's that was the comment yesterday from the person that we've made the case here, has made the strongest case for impeachment of anybody in Congress, a no Democrat, but a Republican, Justin Amash of Michigan, who said yesterday, he tweeted out basically saying, now it's up to us. Mueller has spoken, now it's up to us. Boom, bingo, really summed it up. So um, here, if you didn't have a chance to catch it, here was Mueller yesterday saying, importantly again, this I, I think this was the money shot of his whole nine minutes. If we knew and were ca- absolutely certain that Donald Trump had not committed a crime, we would have said so. These indictments contain alleg- allegations, and we are not co- commenting on the guilt or the innocence of any specific defendant. But if we had the, I think he, do we have that? If he had the confidence, did he, did he say that? I guess I, I, he didn't say it. I thought we had that, that clip as well. And then he talked about the DOJ, or Department of Justice policy, that he said tied their hands. Under long-standing department policy, a president, yeah. president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. Yeah. That is unconstitutional. Cannot be charged with a federal By the way, why is that? Uh, that's another whole question. Why is that policy out there? What if, what if the president, I mean, I know it's far-fetched, but, you know, what if he murdered somebody? Yeah, he charge him with a crime? I mean, I, I think this is ridiculous. It, that, I think, was lost in the two years of the Mueller investigation where everybody yeah, was waiting yeah. for him to, you know, drop the hammer <laughs> and, you know, for Mueller to show up and save the day. He never was going to be able to. No. But we didn't know that from the beginning. No, it's fair. That, I mean, right? Yeah, but I wish we had. I wish we had, too. Right. Because for that, it was sort of a non-starter, Right. Right. What's the point? And I would hope that before this is over, somebody's going to say, uh, <clears throat> uh, 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 there's something else I question here, and but I'm not an attorney, and it shows, I guess. But um, Robert Mueller said that it's the Constitution. I don't think it's the Constitution. I think it's the Department of Justice policy. I'm pretty sure it's an OLC. We keep hearing that. Office of Legal Counsel Opinion of the Justice Department. It's not written in the Constitution. Okay, so I actually saw some people, Some you and I aren't lawyers, but right. I did see some lawyers actually tweeting about this yesterday who said that very thing. It's not in the Constitution. This right. is a basically like a guideline from the Justice Department. Right. So I would hope that somebody would talk about changing that, that particular policy. But for now, again, totally refuting what the Attorney General told us. Robert Mueller said yesterday, that's why... He didn't charge Donald Trump with a crime. But he really, if you read between the lines, he seemed to be saying, if I could have, I would have, because he certainly committed a crime. And then Robert Mueller said basically, okay, this is it. I've done my job. I'm quitting. I'm retiring, going back to private life. You're never going to hear from me again. And I'll never say more than I just have told you. If you ask me to testify, he said basically, you're going to get nothing but what you just heard. There has been discussion about an appearance before Congress. 
any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. Yep. Uh, I still think they should, uh, they, should, they should bring him in, put him under oath, and have him say as much as they can get out of him under oath. Uh, and Don McGahn, former White House counsel as well. The reaction, as you can expect, uh, was um, pretty predictable, uh, I guess. And, you know, people, I'm not sure it changed that many minds. I thought that uh, Peter Baker, our good friend Peter Baker in the New York Times, summed up this morning in his analysis of uh, Mueller's appearance yesterday, uh, he said, <laughs> quote, this will read the first paragraph, at long last, the Sphinx of Washington spoke on Wednesday, and here is what President Trump heard. Case closed. Here is what the president's adversaries heard. Time to impeach. <laughs> and that's basically how the two camps broke down. I mean, uh, I, I, I think that's right. But I will say, I think that there have been some Democrats who have been on the fence for yeah. this yeah. whole period of time. Let's see what the Mueller report says. Let's see what the Mueller report says. You saw Bill Barr come out and misrepresent yeah. what the Mueller report said. You saw Donald Trump come out and misrepresent what the Mueller report said. Well, now we heard it straight from the Sphinx's mouth. Yeah, uh, He did what he thought he could do and what he had the power to do. And the phrase that pays that we saw so many different presidential candidates talk about and tweet about yesterday is it was an impeachment referral. Right. So there's there another group, uh, which Peter Baker was directed of Democrats sort of like in the middle who are not quite ready to go there yet, that this pushed them. This, this did push them uh, into the uh, let's go forward with impeachment camp. Uh, Congressman Jerry Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, called his own news conference right, right away to say, uh, if you listen to uh, Robert Mueller, one thing is very, very clear. So the president is lying about the special counsel's findings, lying and saying that the special counsel found no obstruction and no conclusion. And I should add, the attorney general is lying about that, too. <laughs> right. And uh, Jerry Nadler comes back to the important point is if he wanted to, he could have. If Mueller wanted to exonerate the president from having committed the crime, he would have said so. Instead, and he says he would have said so. Right. But he did not. He, he made it very clear he, this is no exoneration uh, of the president. Uh, out in San Francisco, speaking at the uh, Commonwealth Club, the great Commonwealth Club, where uh, I've been honored to be a guest several times, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi in talking about, uh, she said some other things about she has no respect for Bill Barr, boom, 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 but the, but the important thing people wanted to hear was, has she moved uh, on impeachment? Is she ready now to say we're going to go forward with impeachment? Not quite. You don't bring an indictment or you don't bring an impeachment unless you have all of the facts, the strongest possible case, uh, so that the, um, uh, the president is held accountable one way or another in the court of public opinion or in the court of law or in the Congress of the United States. Uh, and yet up to uh, 44 House Democrats now, by one count I saw this morning, have now has said we should, they should uh, proceed after yesterday more than ever with an impeachment inquiry. Um, Jamie Raskin, local congressman here, has been leading the charge uh, from out in Montgomery County. Um, in addition to others like Al Green from Texas, Maxine Waters from California, have been there from the very beginning. Uh, and yesterday, one by one, 10 of the presidential hopefuls for 2020 came forward and said, uh, the message is very clear. This means we have to proceed 
Kamala Harris speaking for uh, um, echoed uh, a lot of them echoing what Kamala Harris said down in uh, South Carolina. It's, I think it's a fair inference from what we heard in that press conference that Bob Mueller was essentially referring impeachment to the United States Congress. Huh. Right. Uh, at the White House, uh, are you surprised to know there was a um, um, a little different reaction down at the White House? Yeah. Uh, the first of all, D- Donald Trump watched. Bob Mueller uh, from the residence. He spent almost yesterday, all day yesterday in the uh, mansion, um, but, but rightfully so, after that long trip home from Ch- Japan, resting. But he did watch Robert Mueller, we're told. And he tweeted afterwards, it was very interesting, that so far, every report, everything he said about the Mueller report is, other than witch hunt, you know, created by the Democrats, all that stuff we've heard for the last two years. Since the report came out, every time he says it's no collusion, no obstruction. No collusion, no obstruction. No collusion, no obstruction. Yesterday, a little different take from Donald Trump. His tweet was, uh, in response to Robert Mueller, there was insufficient evidence found, therefore I'm innocent. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, di- different take. Still BS. Right. Yeah. But a little different take. I think you realize. Is that the bar that you have to get over? <laughs> yeah, right. Your innocence? right. But uh, if he had any little, uh, maybe a little nuance there, not with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh-uh. No. She says, this all, This just says one thing. We didn't learn anything at all from Robert Mueller. There was no real news in there. He reiterated the points that he'd already made in the report. Um, and we agree with him. There was no collusion. There was no conspiracy. We consider this case closed. Again, that's not what Mueller said. He'll say it over and over again, uh, which, again, I think is why I start this impeachment inquiry to get the facts out there. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders again saying, case closed, time to move on. We consider this case closed. He completed his investigation. Now he's closed his office, and it's time for everybody to move on. And if you want something really rich, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders blames the whole thing on who else? Barack Obama. The reason that we're in this mess in the first place is because the previous administration (laughs) failed to do their job. We know there was interference. It didn't happen on our watch. It happened on theirs. And we're actually cleaning up the mess. Now, we've been very clear. uh, I've made this point several times. Yes, it did happen in 2016 when Barack Obama was president of the United States. Yes, yes. We think Barack Obama should have done more, should have raised hell publicly. Privately, he did with Putin, said we understand this stuff is going on. you got to knock it off. I don't think that was enough. But by the way, at the same time, remember, Mitch McConnell also said we shouldn't make this public because we don't want people to know what's going on because it might interfere with a, 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 somehow be accused of interfering with the election. One of the things motivating Barack Obama was he didn't want to come out with this publicly and then give Donald Trump something to talk about and say, this election is rigged, I told you so. But at any rate, sure, Barack Obama may, should have, I think, done more. That does not absolve Donald Trump, who has done absolutely nothing, Has he, again, hasn't even acknowledged that Russia did anything to interfere in the 2020 election and, in fact, has said just the opposite. He believes Vladimir Putin when Putin says they didn't do anything at all. And the most troubling thing about that is they're up to the same old tricks now for 2020. We know that. 
And as long as Donald Trump's living in denial and the administration's living in denial, the Russians will be able to get away with anything they want to do in 2020, just like they did uh, in 2018. So lots more coming up on Robert Mueller uh, throughout the uh, throughout the day. And your comments, again, welcome on uh, uh, on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Meanwhile, we learned one thing about the um, the president's trip to Japan, that the White House learned they, the names of all the Navy ships that were in the harbor that the president might see. This, this is amazing. Not that he would go on board any of them. He did go on board one, the USS Wasp, I think it was. That's right? the one that had the problem with the catapult. The catapult. Yeah, where, yeah if they only had a steam catapult. They need a steam catapult. They need a steam catapult. Uh, but nearby was the USS John S. McCain. Well, the White House was worried. By the way, the Wall Street Journal reports this, okay? So this is not some lefty outfit. Wall Street Journal reports that the White House was so worried that Donald Trump would look over from the USS Wasp and see the USS John S. McCain and throw a, you know, what kind of fit, right? (laughs) Yeah, throw a temper tantrum. And so they actually entered into discussions the White House military office with the Navy to see if they could move the John McCain out of the harbor or away from anywhere Donald Trump would be so he would not see the name of his mortal foe, John McCain. How petty can you get? Uh, This morning, the defense secretary, Patrick Shanahan, said, Donald Trump, by the way, heard about this. He tweeted yesterday in response to the Wall Street Journal, I didn't know anything about this at all. And by the way, maybe true. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But the White House knows how petty he is. That's why they had these conversations with the Navy. The defense secretary, acting, sorry, acting defense secretary, uh, Patrick Shanahan yesterday. uh, No, early. That was early today. Right. He said, it's the first I heard about it. When I read this morning was the first I'd heard about it. But in terms of uh, ship movements, the only ships I've moved is the USS Abraham Lincoln. All right. So uh, he said, no, didn't do it. Didn't do it at all. Uh, I trust the Wall Street Journal. Uh, They did some good reporting. Uh, Lots on the 2020 front. We'll talk about a little bit later in the program here. But uh, one big news on the uh, two two, um, Senate races that are worth mentioning. Uh, One in Alabama. Guess who? is thinking about running for Senate in Alabama. It is Roy Moore. He is back. The uh, pedophile Roy Moore back saying he wants to run again for the U.S. Senate. And yesterday, both the president, Donald Trump, and little Donald, Donnie Jr., both came out and said to Roy Moore, don't run. We don't want you to run. You'll lose this Senate seat. It means Doug Jones will continue uh, to represent Alabama in the United States Senate. And Roy Moore came out after Donald Trump spoke and said, basically, I'll do whatever the hell I want to do. Let's just, I mean, get down on your knees and say a prayer that Roy Moore runs. You know, as bad as he is, that means one thing. We hold on to that seat for sure. Uh, But a little better news for Democrats is in South Carolina. Lindsey Graham has an opponent. He is Jamie Harrison a former state Democratic chair of South Carolina, and Jamie Harrison, now um, one of the vice presidents uh, of the Democratic National Committee, 
Uh, Jamie Harrison, who was in studio with us, what, Peter, about a month ago? Uh, it was well, it was a while ago, actually. Yeah, yeah about it was, maybe it was... six weeks ago even, right? Yeah, it Two was months, a while back. Whatever. It was a while back. But, but anyhow, but he was here, on. and he told us in our studio that day that pretty soon he was going to have a big announcement to make about a Senate race in South Carolina. He made it official yesterday, <laughs> running against Lindsey Graham, saying Lindsey Graham can't be trusted. He's too close to Donald Trump in South Carolina and needs better representation. Go, Jamie, go. Great lineup of guests today. Hannah Trudeau is going to be joining us from the Daily Beast to talk about 2020 a little bit later. Victoria Jones will be here as a friend of Bill for the next hour. And coming up next, a good friend from Think Progress, uh, Alan Pike, joining us here in studio. So give us a quick break. We'll be right back. Look forward to hearing from you on Twitter, at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Thursday, May 30, the Bill Press Show. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today. In the wake of the Robert Mueller appearance yesterday is what everybody is talking about. And so we welcome you back to the uh, program as we're brought to you today. Coming to you live, of course, from our nation's capital. And brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, one and only Leo Girard, a great uh, fighter for working families across this nation. Uh, Not only the members of the Steelworkers, but all union members. Uh, The Steelworkers happen to be North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. Check out their website at usw.org. And here joining us in studio from Think Progress, uh, in charge of all things, I don't know, political, economic, poverty, social safety. What the hell else do you cover? Alan about, Pike. About nine other things. About <laughs> nine other things. <laughs> good to Hi, see Alan, you again. good to see you. You too, you yeah, too. Welcome back. Here. Thank you. Um, we've been stirring things up here for the last half hour, as you can imagine. And uh, Peter? Yes, indeed. Got, uh, got a couple comments from, weigh in. from uh, Twitter, <laughs> at BP Show, <laughs> at BP Show, where we are tweeting. Uh, BJ, with just three word, uh, three word tweet, impeach the bastard. Uh, I, I think she's probably... That's a about. game. That's a Game of Thrones spoiler. <laughs> I assume <laughs> from the language. Right, exactly. Okay. Uh, I assume she's talking about Donald Trump. I don't know. Ah, who, that okay. Who that could possibly yeah, know? Sure. Uh, Phil says uh, Robert Mueller said a lot yesterday, but he never once ordered uttered the word collusion. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear him say that. Uh, also, somebody pointed out that Mueller said uh, uh, he couldn't bring charges quote from this office. They said, well, he's. Office. He retired, so maybe he could do something else. I don't think that's how it works. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tom says, Barr is the guy who said no collusion, no obstruction, but he was acting as both defense attorney and judge. I call BS. Find us on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, there were no comments from Bill Barr himself yesterday, although um, it, it, Mueller did, uh, Alan, just to think, refuted Bill Barr directly on how important that Office of Legal Counsel opinion was in Mueller's final report. Yeah. Mueller said it made the whole difference, and Barr earlier had said it didn't affect him at all. Yeah, it was a really pointed uh, uh, wielding of that dispute, I thought, by, by Mueller. For, for the most part, the whole press conference struck me as um, the sort of the big screen adaptation of, of the novel, that we've all read, you know, it was, it was uh, Bob Mueller's pivot to video. It was, it was much the same material <laughs> as was in that, um, or, or at least the material that we, the public and the press, have been able to see um, through the the screen of redactions um, in the report uh, a couple months ago. Much the same material presented 
uh, in the medium that the president actually consumes uh, yeah, instead right. of the written word. And and also, yeah, in a couple of ways, it gave him opportunities to uh, to to make his emphases clear in a way that can get lost, I think, in in reading a report that gigantic and that technical. Um, and yeah, he stayed studiously technical as you would expect from a guy like Bob Mueller. But Frust- uh, uh, I must say, frustratingly so. Sure. From someone who tries to speak directly, right? You know, on television, on right. radio, as I've done my entire career. Well, there's a reason right? you and I didn't go to law school. I, 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 I think, guess I think so. There's, right? Yeah. yeah there, you know. There's a. There's a. And I. I don't want to be too cynical about this because I think there's there are good reasons um, and structural reasons and legal reasons that he has to be circumspect. Um, in those ways, but I, I, yeah, I think there's a, a sort of um, at the at the level of almost a character trait. Uh, folks, folks in this world pride themselves on being able to um, go around six corners on their way to making a point. You know, uh, were there had we found enough evidence to uh, determine affirmatively not to charge a crime against the president, we would have done so. Mm-hmm. That's a very long way of saying. Uh, sure, seems like there might be a crime here. You guys should check it out. Yeah, and and yeah. he won't just say that. Um, and he and he wouldn't. He he was no less circumspect yesterday. But to your point about the the OLC memo in particular, um, him making it that him spending as much time as he did, really making sure folks get um, the the internal logic of his team in deciding not to to levy an indictment, sealed or otherwise, uh, yeah. as being a, about a technical policy adherence to within DOJ rather than about. Um, what the evidence does or doesn't show is significant. You know, you mentioned his team, and I have nobody else I've heard talk about this, but it really bothered me. At the very end, it was nice that he said, I want to take an effort to thank the members of my team. They're real good Americans, and they did a good job. But what I was waiting for him to say, and no, Mr. President, they were not traitors. They did not commit treason. They were not a group of Democrats who were just out to right. get you, Right. right? I mean, yeah. the things that Donald Trump has said about his team yeah. are really libelous, right? Sure, uh, yeah. sure. And and I wanted Mueller to show a little stiff backbone there and say, how dare you uh, attack the FBI and call them traitors for doing their job? He didn't. I, I can, you know, I can I, see the appeal of him um, doing something like that, and especially maybe especially if you're, what does he have to if lose, you're by on the way? team. Well, so I, I think uh, that to me speaks to a, a different understanding of um, of the politics surrounding all of this from how a lot of folks who spend a lot of time talking about it on, on TV, um, for example, uh, tend to approach it. I, I think that if Mueller makes himself, the story would have then become, uh, oh, wow, look, Donald Trump and Bob Mueller are fighting. Um, yeah. and, and those are the kinds of um, tit for tat, uh, you know, tweet for press conference, um, w- word warfare moments at which this president seems to thrive, um, at least in a in in the sense that no one has really found a way to extract any sort of cost for him from diving into. I mean, this guy will get into an idiotic war of words with uh, a nuclear armed dictator um, on a on a Tuesday, uh, and turn around and insult longtime allies uh, on a Wednesday, and and that's become a normal week, and that's dangerous for our democracy, and and to whatever extent Bob Mueller sees himself as Trying to, uh, as 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 a sort of sheriff for normalness, um, it, the the should be obvious point that if your campaign manager is passing polling data to 
Russian citizens uh, who you may or may not know are going to use that polling data to then micro-target advertising on and, and fake news on Facebook and other social media to advance the interests of your campaign, um, that that shouldn't be accepted. Um, right. Seems like a very low bar, but it's the bar that uh, Bob Mueller finds himself in some ways trying to vindicate. And I think that getting into a becoming a more of a character than he already necessarily is in this uh, drama, uh, this personal drama, would probably not serve the material findings of, invest, of his yeah, investigation. Yeah, I can well. see that. I just, just still was it's disappointed that, yeah. he didn't, yeah. that he didn't take that uh, take that opportunity to to um, really further defend his team. But the the, uh, the other on the, on the point you just made that I thought was very significant significant that in closing, Mueller came back to the Russian interference and said, right. now, "I want to be sure that everybody understands we, you know, what went on what here." What was done? Yeah, and he said, "You know that there was again that phrase the systematic where is it multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election," which he said deserves the attention of every American. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, for him, it seems the big takeaway from his two years was, man, I mean, the Russians really tried to throw this election. Yeah. And we're not doing anything about it. And Trump hasn't even admitted that it ever happened. Right. To this right. day. Right. Won't acknowledge that, that because I it would take away in some he measure in his mind from his, his, his gigantic win. His legitimacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which is which is true in as much as for those who believe that this man is president in part because Vlad Putin wanted him to be um, or because <laughs> yeah. there, there are more there are yeah. more people in Moscow who wanted that than there were, you know, a, a, a margin of victory for him in the state of Wisconsin. Um, I, think, I think Wisconsin came down to like 20,000 votes or something like that. Um, his, his legitimacy is already uh, undermined or non-existent in the minds of a certain set of his electorate. Uh, and it's everybody else. It's, it's his base. It's putting Fox News in, a, in a, a position where they have to spin a little bit harder, really flex their, their uh, latissimus dorsi to, to spin uh, the story as, as vigorously as imaginable. Um, and again, I think, I think whatever else this guy is or has going on in his head, he seems to have a pretty uh, good feel for how the beats of uh, a, a news cycle driven primarily by television coverage will work. Mm. He can yeah. he can he can derail uh, not permanently, as this story has shown, of course, but mm. he can derail any given negative news cycle um, for at least a half a day or a day or or maybe two or three whole week even. Um, just by running his mouth about right. something else. All right. So, uh, as several people said yesterday, in fact, uh, Peter, if we can, uh, Kamala Harris um, was just one of some ten presidential hopefuls yesterday who made the point that what Mueller was really all about was doing a lateral right to Congress, yes. uh, and she, or she, as she called it, an impeachment referral. It's, I think it's a fair inference from what we heard in that press conference that Bob Mueller was essentially referring impeachment to the United States Congress. So, A, do you think that's exactly what he was doing? And B, does Congress now pick it up? I do think that's what he was doing. Uh, there were a couple of people who I think got that right on day one when the report came out um, mm -hmm. and, and should pat themselves on the back for a moment this morning uh, or should have made people buy them drinks last <laughs> night, perhaps. Uh, yeah, it, it seems it seems pretty clear. Again, with it, 
there's all that legalese and sort of uh, mm-hmm. wandering wandering around to get to your point. But when you put together, um, uh, if I could have exonerated him, I would. I couldn't indict him because I felt bound by this department regulation. Um, does anybody have a question about what other legal options there might be? Yes, you in the back. Oh, right. Yes, no. This does become Congress's responsibility. It's the only piece that that was missing was him affirmatively and openly saying, uh, "Yes, uh, the way our uh, system uh, works, it's now your turn. I'm done." All uh, right, but and, it, but it's pretty and clear. And again, in legalese, what he said was, "The Constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system." to formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing. Right. Translation, okay, Congress, now it's yours. Right. Now it's your job. Right. Right. Which and, is... is if you want to get this guy out, there's only one way to do it, impeachment. Yeah. Well, I, I, to use your to go back to your lateral analogy into football, uh, the problem then becomes, um, this is like the you, you've run through first, second, and third down, and now it's time for the special teams unit to come on uh, and 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 punt. And and I don't yeah, think right. I don't I don't have a great deal of confidence in um, <coughs> well two things. I don't have a great deal of confidence in this uh, this version of the Democratic Caucus in this political moment, um, believing that their uh, their their duty to what he's found and their and their follow through on this suggestion, this very clear suggestion that in, what, what we found should support impeachment proceedings and I can't do anything more than what I've done, so it's your turn. I don't have a lot of confidence that, that the caucus will uh, leap at that in this moment and see the uh, institutional needs of, the, of our democracy uh, as outstripping their short-term political interests. And I'm, not, I'm genuinely not sure how impeachment would play. I think anybody who's giving you a confident... Um, prognosis about how voters would respond to something like that should probably, you know, take a breather. Yeah. Um, and, and or 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 they or they've got something to sell you because um, <laughs> it's it's a it's a, a really open question um, how that would affect the uh, the turnout questions that will drive the twenty twenty election. The, the the fundamentals of his popularity and unpopularity are pretty fixed. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of waiver to his approval ratings. Um, Especially once you sort of factor in what you'd expect from top line economic numbers like the ones that he is presiding over, um, so the the question I think of whether uh, he would gain a certain sort of underdog's bump of Congress is being nasty uh, mm-hmm. to the president. I thought I thought we were all finished with this. Basically, whether their spin in the immediate aftermath of the report being completed but not yet released of Barr coming out with that four pager saying. That it exonerated him, right. um, you know. If that spin stuck in enough people's minds at, to, for for impeachment proceedings to play as sour grapes, um, which is of course how the president would portray portray them, um, then it could well come with political costs. And I don't think this version of the Democratic Party is necessarily. We, we don't have a lot of reason to think of uh, them as politically courageous enough to sort of set that aside and say we don't care. Uh, how this plays politically, yeah. there's a right thing and a wrong thing to I'm do. I'm not sure how soon they move either, but certainly um, uh, Mueller's statement, I think, increases the pressure on Democrats to maybe at least uh, open an impeachment inquiry, which is one step short of actual impeachment hearings. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, you, you can be sure there's a lot of conversation going on right now among yeah. the Democratic leadership because more and more members, including some in the leadership, like David Cicilline, are saying, 
we gotta we gotta take this this first step. But um, we're gonna be talking Robert Mueller throughout the day and getting your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Alan Pike is with us from Think Progress, thinkprogress.org. I do want to ask you about a couple of other things that are going on. Believe it or not, there is some other news. So much happening under the shadow of all this. A big fast food strike today, right? Fast food workers. Uh, yeah, last week uh, there was a there was a, a, a big walkout in, in 13 different cities. Um, yeah. And the, uh, the thing that called my attention to it again, we, it's been six years now it's been going on, right? It starts just after Thanksgiving in 2013 in New York. Spreads nationwide that pretty quickly. Really, six yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're coming up on five and a half, closing, right. closing yeah. in on six years. Um, and this has been a, a massively successful campaign of, of right. a, a type that the labor movement in this country hasn't seen in generations. Um, and and it's sort of odd that it's fallen off of so many of our radars. My, and I include myself. I've I've been I spent a couple of years focused on other issues and was coming back to the story and noticing. Oh, look, there's presidential candidates going to four of these 13 rallies in one capacity or another and realized I'm not sh- in, in the past in the past a presidential candidate uh, a, an elected official national you know a sitting senator showing up to your picket line would have been a huge deal for you would have helped you know put pressure on mm-hmm. Marriott or you know uh, Olive Garden or whoever you're striking against in this case with these fight for 15 workers uh, who have racked up all these wins for years and years and years and this field of uh, 20 plus people vying for a nomination I'm pretty sure that it's the candidates that need these workers, need to be photographed <laughs> with these workers more yeah, than it is yeah. the other way around, which is which is an interesting dynamic, and I think it's going to it's going to continue to to play out um, over the next 18 months. The 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 mainline labor movement's in some disarray, and the Democratic Party has counted on big labor for a long time, and seeing how the Fight for 15 folks can kind of slot into that, maybe take advantage of that. Um, that who, demand for their for their who time. Who were some of the candidates who went out that you recall? I mean, I think Bernie uh, Sanders is there. Bernie right? Sanders appeared uh, via video to uh-huh. do a town hall with folks in Dallas. Um, Jay Inslee was in Chicago. Uh, Bill De Blasio was in Iowa. <laughs> uh, he he sort of stepped in for uh, Senator Cory Booker, who had been scheduled. The first press release I got about all this a week oh. out. Um, they had they had Booker down, uh, and then. Uh, McConnell moved some votes around. The voting oh, schedule got shuffled yeah. in the Senate, and there was going to be the, the big vote on the disaster relief funding bill. Yeah. Ended up landing on that on that same uh, Thursday, mm-hmm. so Booker had to. And and it was pointed out to me that um, of the candidates, none of those who were sitting senators with a vote were were going out to to rallies. They were all there right. for these votes. Um, I'm forgetting was Biden getting who the fourth was. I don't think Biden was out. Yeah, um, he wasn't. He wasn't on the schedule ahead of time, right. um, and but he did. Biden did uh, go and and show up for the stop and shop workers um, up in. Uh, I believe he was in Rhode Island. Um, in stop and shops. The down here we have Giant up, up in New England at Stop and Shop. Um, uh, stop and Shop, and um, that was the UFCW. Yes, yeah, the UFCW uh, had uh, which had was eventually, a very, su- very successful. Yeah, they um, were they and they were out for I think eleven days. It was yeah, a, a, yeah. a long, which is an arduous thing. I think uh, I'm I'm guessing a lot of your listeners have a family member in a union or have themselves been in a union. But if if you're divorced from that world, it's sort of hard to imagine just what a, a difficult and frightening thing it is to actually walk out. Um, so, um, just a quick little anecdote on that. I was visiting uh, a week or so ago with Mark Perone, who's the president of the UFCW, and we talked a little bit about the Stop and Shop, and that's where he was saying Biden was there, the Stop yeah, and Shop okay. movement um, or operation. They didn't call it a strike, but a protest. Yes, a protest. They've 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 discovered that customers are much much more willing to back up the workers 
if they say we're going to have a protest against Stop and Shop than a strike. Yeah, yeah. So uh, protest. But anyway, for the protest, he was mentioning this This gets into uh, social media, that's all. But I, I found it fascinating. In the old days, if you were going to have a walkout, right? Yeah. A strike, we used to call it. Yeah. A protest. Right. You'd have to send somebody out to all these different stores to make sure that they knew what time what what time right. they were going to move. Boom, 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 boom. This time on social media, he said they emptied 245 stores in 15 minutes. <laughs> That's wild. Just by texting. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Text. Okay. The tools, the tools that, that organizers have now. Walk out or ten minutes walk. The organizers, right? There's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's made, I mean, labor organizing so much more effective. It, well, and, and it's had to, in in a sense, it's catching up to uh, the the technology being used to um, isolate and and exploit. Uh, working people. The best example of that uh, came a couple, a uh, few days before the the most recent uh, Fight for 15 walkouts, um, the day long strike in, from Uber and Lyft drivers in cities uh, across the U.S. and and a couple in the U.K. Um, timed oh, yeah. for timed timed against Uber's big um, initial public offering on the stock exchange. Right. Uh, and I talked to a, a, spent an hour on the phone with a woman in in Los Angeles who's been involved in organizing drivers, uh, rideshare drivers out there. Uh, in a similar way to what's happening in a lot of cities. Some of the cities, like New York, uh, there is an existing taxi workers union, essentially, uh, collective, that can uh, plug in to this new this new set of apps and, and organize around them. Um, but in L.A., this woman was describing to me a sort of classic organizing problem of uh, people who have the same complaints, the same issues, um, and the same working conditions. But little opportunity to actually talk to one another, and the place that uh, and 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 they've they've used technology as you would expect, um, yeah. and as you described to to get themselves together. But the place that they were able to first sort of realize, oh, we need to do something. There's a lot of us sitting at the airports, um, oh, sure. backed up in the cab stand yeah. lines yeah. at the airports. Right. You right. you turn the engine off, you idle your car, and you talk for a little bit. Something else that you've been writing about, um, uh, we saw a kind of a wacko appearance by Ben Carson in front of Congress last week. Good old Ben Carson. <laughs> Where uh, the REO uh, didn't quite know. Did you say Oreo? Uh, no. <laughs> like the cookie. <laughs> no, I said REO. Oh, oh, oh sure. You know no, I definitely know what that is, Bill. But Ben Carson did <laughs> yeah. here's, here's that uh, exchange with uh, the member of Congress, I forget. Katie, Katie Porter. Porter. Katie Porter, right I'd here. I'd also is. like you to get back to me, if you don't mind, to explain the disparity in REO rates. Do you know what an REO is? An Oreo. R, <laughs> not an Oreo. An R-E-O. R-E-O. Real estate. What's the What's O stand the O4? for? E-organization. Owned. Real estate owned. That's what happens when a property goes to foreclosure. So we call it an it's, REO. What's, what's he doing? It's so bad. What's he doing? And, and you, could, you really want her to have, like, the Trebek buzzer. To just <laughs> at, at, When he says organization, yeah, just to right. look to the judges for a moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Secretary Carson. That's, that's incorrect. Um, this stuff. This stuff is that moment was funny, and um, in a, in a in a gloomy way, it was funny. Obviously, uh, and and within the five minutes of questioning that that Representative Porter um, conducted there, which I don't know if I don't know if you're a boxing fan, but I've never seen a mismatch in the <laughs> ring as as 
uh, devastating as this as Ben Carson, who is a smart enough person to be uh, a, a, brain a neurosurgeon, surgeon, right? Which I suspect means he's smarter than me in a, in at least a few ways. Um, and Katie Porter, and and who should know this stuff because he's the leader of the Department yeah, of Housing and Urban Development. And Katie Porter, who actually does know this stuff and spent you know a couple decades of her life working on it. Uh, asking what are, and this is part of what I wrote about this, necessarily jargony questions, but have a fairly simple premise that he should be able to speak to. And he just can't. Just cannot do it, no. Uh, too bad we're out of time because it's so much fun having you in. Alec, uh, Alan, rather. Alan, <laughs> hi. Right. Uh, thanks so much <laughs> for being here. And Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for being a good part of the program for so long. Absolutely. It's been fun, Bill. We'll All miss right. you. When we come back, Victoria Jones joins this us. Friend of Bill. is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. If I could have, I would have. Yeah, that's what Robert Mueller told us yesterday. Translation, Donald Trump committed a crime, and if I could have charged him with one, I would have done so. At least that's my translation. I think the correct one. Hello, everybody. It's Thursday, May 30. Can you believe it? Here we go, the Bill Press Show, live uh, as always from our from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right in the heart of the action on uh, Capitol Hill. At least that's where the action usually is this week with Congress out of town. Uh, things were a little slow until yesterday when suddenly Robert Mueller surprised the hell out of all of us by announcing about 9.30 yesterday morning that he was going to make a public statement uh, the man who never speaks was going to make a public statement at uh, 11 o'clock yesterday, which he did. Took nine minutes, but he really shook things up. Uh, and Victoria Jones, a talk radio host uh, and radio news commentator, joins us in studio for the next hour as a friend of Bill to talk about that and a whole lot more. It's so good to see you. Welcome. So good to see you. It was almost like, because um, neither one of us is quite that old, it was almost like the um, the start of the talkies and the end of the <laughs> silent movie era. Garbo speaks. <laughs> no, that's right. I had I said it earlier. I never knew. I didn't know what he sounded like. I didn't know he spoke. I, I never heard his voice what, before. Was it just me now? Because uh, I may be a bit of a nitpicker, but being in radio, you listen. I thought he sounded a little nervous at the beginning. Oh, he did. Yeah. No, he did. Uh, he's not used to public speaking, yeah. if you will. He's and why not, should he be? He, no. And he's not comfortable, right? Yeah. Uh, and clearly, I think, and he was up there all by himself, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And he stumbled over a few words. He did. Didn't look at the camera. No. Right? You, did, you could have given him some media training. Could have given him media training. <laughs> you know, I could have done. Yes, you could have. I exactly. could have done. 
So we're just getting started, and we got a whole hour to go here with Victoria as a friend of Bill and with all of you, friends of Bill. So um, send us your comments, though, on Twitter, at BP Show. Don't just sit there and listen. Get Participate in the program and the conversation. Your comments, welcome on Twitter, at BP Show. Victoria, lots to talk about, but first... Peter takes us to the big stories of the day. You got it. Just a couple of other stories making news. So let's go to Florida. Where a man uh, was in his apartment. Can't in Coral- be good. For going to it's Florida, not good. It can't be good. It's not good. A man uh, was in his apartment in Coral Gables, Florida, and he had to go to the bathroom. So he went into the bathroom. He lifted the toilet seat, and a four-foot-tall ball python, or four-foot-long, I should yes. say, ball python, yeah. rose out of the toilet mm-hmm. and bit him on the arm. He immediately called the police. Police showed up. He's he's fine. They're non-venomous uh, snakes, but they said he said he has no idea how the snake got into his house. Well, it came up through the came toilet through the because toilet. it lives in there like yeah. all the other animals live in the sewers. That's terrible. Down there. That, the pythons in Florida have taken over, right? Yeah. Let me tell you. If he could didn't have worse, to go to the... It could have bit him on another part of the anatomy. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> and I'll tell you what. If he didn't have to go to the bathroom before, I'm sure he did after. Because that would be, that would be enough. God, I saw that story. that scared the hell out of me. It's terrifying. Oh. It's mm. terrifying. I mean, he just opened up the toilet. Boom. There's a big python. No thanks. Uh, let's talk a little bit of baseball uh, because the Tampa Bay Rays are not having a very good season. They're not very good. They're like the Nats. More they're, Florida. They're even worse More than that. Florida. Let's stay in yeah. Florida. They're yeah, even worse God. than the Nationals. Well, yesterday the Na- uh, the Rays set the stadium's attendance record oh. for worst attendance ever for a Tampa Bay Rays game. The attendance at the game was. 5,786. That is the lowest in the team's 22-year history. The previous record, by the way, was 6,509. That was set in 2017 when Hurricane Irma was approaching. <laughs> so they're that, they are worse oh, than a natural man. disaster right now. Uh, but I have a reason why they were not at the game. Go ahead. They were all calling plumbers yeah, to right. check their <laughs> toilets for pythons. Make sure there are no snakes in my toilet. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Okay, I've done my job. Now it's your job to finish the job. That's kind of what Robert Mueller told the Congress yesterday in what a lot of people are calling an impeachment referral. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Thursday, May 30. This is the Bill Press Show. You are very, very much a part of it, and we thank you for joining us online, on the radio, and on television, coast to coast. As we reach out to you from our studio on Capitol Hill uh, with in Washington, D.C., of course, with all the news of the day. Uh, and to help us with the news of the day, we are so happy to welcome back a good friend, uh, the radio news commentator, radio talk show host, used to cover the White House when we had briefings. Victoria, remember ah, those briefings. days? Victoria Jones with us. Yes, remember the briefings. So quaint and arcane. We used to see each other just about every day at yes. the White House. Yes. And sometimes there was news that sometimes it was not, but you always you always had a chance to ask some questions, yes. get some things done, find out kind of where the administration mm. was moving or not moving, and mm. today, gone. No, no, it's, it's and, uh, uh, 
apparently not coming back. At least. Gone and almost forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Except when we, we remember them. That's how we keep them in people's memories. But we remember them. And I think the American people are deserved, right, by not having that opportunity to... Well, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is um, is a government employee. She's not an employee of the Trump Trump organization. She's a government employee, and um, and so part of her job is to keep the public informed about what the administration and what the what the White House and what the president's up to. Uh, it, that has traditionally, anyway, been part of the job of the press secretary. Now, that job may be changing. That may be the administration's decision is to have that job changed. I think one of the things that the the press and the public are asking, well, if, if her job is changing, what what is it changing to? Because they don't see publicly what it is that she's doing now. Well, I would say, in response to that question, that her job is has maybe, maybe was from the beginning to just to be Donald Trump's little spokesperson, just like Attorney General Bill Barr is not really doing the job of Attorney General, he's doing the job of Donald Trump's little personal attorney. At least he sees it that way. And maybe that's how they both see survival. And we have heard um, several reported instances of, of Donald Trump requiring loyalty from people who he hires for his administration or requesting loyalty. That was one of the things that um, former FBI Director Jim Comey reported, which, of course, the president has denied, but which Comey was very clear about. And uh, that is one of the major disputes between Comey and the president, which was the loyalty pledge. Well, and we saw that last week in the uh, Oval Office, I think, or maybe the Roosevelt Room, where the president wanted everybody to reaffirm that he did not throw a temper tantrum, that in fact he was very calm. He was a stable Remember? genius. Yeah, yeah, extremely stable genius. And he called on um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kellyanne Conway and Larry Kudlow and Hogan Gridley and Mercedes Schlapp, and all in turn they had to say, no, Mr. President, you didn't throw a temper tantrum. You were very calm. You were very calm, you know. And Gid- pretty, Gidley said, said that, but he had not been in the meeting. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He said that, uh, it, but uh, he did admit that he hadn't been in the meeting, but he also said that you were very calm. <laughs> well, he knew what he had to say, right? <laughs> okay, so as one who's been around Washington for a while uh, and watching the scene here, have you ever seen anything quite like Robert Mueller coming out of uh, the shadows yesterday? Suddenly, not announced ahead of time at all, announced yesterday morning, an hour and a half later, there he is, right, Uh, with a nine-minute statement and saying, this is is it, this is what I have to say, this is all I have to say, and you'll never hear from me again if I have anything to do with it. If I have anything to do with it, Democrats will, well, no, we still want to hear from you. What Uh, was his message and what was the impact, do you uh, think? Well, I think his, and by the way, he did um, clear it with uh, William Barr, the attorney general, before he made the statement. I think his message was, um, one, Russia interfered um, massively and it was choreographed and it was systematic. He said that, he used that word. He used that word. Multiple systematic efforts. Efforts. So that was how he opened and he made that very, very clear. And that that is the main message of the the Mueller report. So that 
And that's what everybody is sort of ignoring, that this is so massive. So he, he made that clear. Um, and then he sort of spoke in sort of a strange non-speak. Um, uh, but again, this is what the Mueller report is like, where he talks about how, uh, and this is his inter- seems to be his interpretation, and, and, and this is disputed by some, but that it, it isn't possible to bring a charge against the sitting president according to Justice Department guidelines. And so now I'm interpreting and going into layman's terms because that's all I understand. So that he went into it with that view and so he was never, ever going to charge the president with um, stepping on a cat's tail. Mm-hmm. He, wasn't, he wasn't that. He wasn't going to charge him with lifting a paperclip because you can't do that. So that was, the, that was it going in. Right. But, but that there is another avenue. Okay. Yes. But on that point, I think part of the problem is we did not know that from the beginning. No. We, we did didn't not know, know it. That. And um, I think this, would have been helpful. Yes, yes. So that basically, this investig this whole investigation was roadblocked from the very beginning by this Department of Justice policy, but it's uh, and uh, which prevents si- uh, indicting a sitting president with a with a crime, charging a sitting president with a crime. At the same time, I think the money shot of Mueller was yesterday. Uh, he almost said, "If I could have, I would have." At least he did say, if we had any evidence that he did not commit a crime, we would have said he, he so. Did, he did. That was, I think, the most powerful thing that he said. He did. Yeah. He did. He, he wanted did. to make it very, very clear. I am not saying that Donald Trump did not commit a crime. Yes. Yeah, he, he did. Now, he said, I'm not saying that because I couldn't say he did. I couldn't say he did. Yeah, he did say that. He did say but, that he, yeah. couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't clear him. Now, the president has been tweeting today. Um, calling it presidential harassment um, and all all these kinds of things. Obviously, the president was was very disturbed by Mueller's statement. Yes, uh, and I thought we talked about this a little, a little earlier. Uh, there was a change of tone in the president's response yesterday. His tweet right after Mueller finished was not no collusion, no obstruction. It was insufficient evidence. Insufficient evidence. Therefore, I'm innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's also saying today I had nothing to do with Russia helping to get me elected. Now, isn't that interesting? Because is he now saying that Russia did help to get me elected and I had nothing to do with it? Because hmm. if he, because that, uh, I'll have to wait to see if there are more tweets. Because he has been saying that Russia didn't have anything, to do, you know. But now he's saying I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So what does Congress? So uh, what does Congress do? Do you believe several? Uh, obviously, Nancy uh, Pelosi is like. Um, uh, um, King Canute, who nobody's heard of <laughs> except you, um, in in Britain, uh, who was a king, um, who stood. Uh, he was a he was a local king, yes. long time ago, over a thousand years ago. <laughs> who stood there and he said, "I can push the waves back," and so he proceeded to stand there, and he was remarkably unsuccessful in pushing the waves back. Really, and yes. uh, those waves are um, are so, uh, members so, of Congress. So Queen Canute, you think, is Queen going to be Canute, no, no more successful than King Canute? I think it's becoming more and more difficult for her. But she's right now, she's um, she's dealing with Facebook. And and what, what I think is the just the, the the first 
of um, th- these what what is going to be the uh, what is the sharp end of a very long pencil of deep fakes that we're going to see going into the 2020 election. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, which we've not seen from the other side yet, but you're going to see fools on the left doing the same thing. Um, and this is the beginning of um, the end, if there was a clean time, of any semblance of clean politics. Because what the Russians did not do in 2016 really was put out deep fakes. They didn't do that. But they'll do it now. They'll do it now, but this this was done by Americans. Yeah, yeah, and left up by... In fact, it was interesting on that point, um, uh, remember her, Hillary Clinton, giving a commencement address somewhere yesterday actually ended up speaking about about this uh, and I think makes a good point about about Facebook. When Facebook refused to take down a fake video of Nancy Pelosi, it wasn't even a close call. The video is sexist trash. And YouTube took it down, but Facebook kept it up. And what Facebook gave mm-hmm. some phony excuse for not taking it down. I mean, they didn't want to exercise censorship or something. Oh, but they, really? But they made it clear that people should know it was not real. If they knew it was, if they knew it wasn't real, why would they why leave would it? They why leave would they it leave it up, it up I mean, there, right? They Just take other joke? stuff down. Yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't funny. You know, it's, it's almost like Facebook is begging for regulation, you know, or begging for Congress to do something. Yeah, I'll break it up. Or it, it's, yeah. it's very, very it's very creepy, um, and it's like I I hear from from people within the or ex intelligence community that there are some very nasty videos, uh, or could be some very nasty videos of um, politicians in, engaged in sex acts, um, politicians who you've heard about who might be engaged in sex acts, but that there are. Are also, you talking about the P tape? Are we finally going to get we? the P am tape? I? Am I? Am I? <laughs> But that there are also going to be fakes and oh, that you'll, yeah. you won't be able to tell them apart. So even if there's a real one, it'll be disparaged because there will be fakes as well. Hmm. Right. So back to... Back, <laughs> sorry. Back to... Uh, you, you were saying Nancy Pelosi, Queen Canute, holding back the waves. Yeah. Uh, so when you say that she will not be any more successful than King Canute... You believe that there will be uh, enough Democrats who really come forward to say we really have to start an impeachment inquiry in response to because Mueller really did pass the ball to them. He I mean, did. He, he did. I I think it's growing, and I think that he is goading them and egging them on because I think he knows, and I think he's right because I think he's sharp on this kind of thing that. Um, even though the argument on their side is that, yes, we'll then have access to witnesses and documents and it'll all come out. That's not how it's going to play out politically in 2020, because he is a master manipulator and a master of the campaign trail. And they're pathetic. uh, And there's too many of them running. He will be able to package this um, as a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, and I think he may be successful with some independents with Republican-leaning independents who have been leaning Democratic and with some conservative Democrats. And it only takes a few thousand, as we saw in, 2016, saw in 2016, to twist, a, twist an election one way or another. Right. Now, meanwhile, uh, as screwed up as our politics are, I have to ask you, um, what the hell's going on 
with Brexit and Theresa May and Boris Johnson really? Boris, well, you know, the Boris new... is being hauled into court. No, I didn't know. Oh, that well, what, the next prime minister. Yeah, well, this was so I mean, exciting. Can't, can't, you know, uh, can't, can't they get it together over there? I nearly, I nearly had a heart attack yesterday morning. I was about to go on the radio, sitting in the park, car park at PetSmart, waiting to go on the radio. At is scroll- that where you do your radio yes, show? Sometimes it is. I was, I was doing a hit. <laughs> And I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm very excited (laughs) because I see that Mueller's doing a statement. I scroll down, and I see that Boris Johnson is going to have to go to court. Uh, So at this point, I'm I'm literally going to have a stroke as well because, (laughs) see, Boris Johnson's going to have to go to court. For what? Because a man who's been trying to sue him for three years is finally getting his day in court over remarks that he alleges that that were lies that Boris Johnson told in the run-up to the EU referendum three years ago. Now, that, that were misleading and lies. Now, Boris Johnson said a lot of stuff in the run-up to the EU referendum that was remarkably misleading, bordering on false. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's going to have, he's being hauled into court yeah. at the same time as he's running for the leadership. And seems to be the front runner for oh, the yes. leadership, right? Yeah. Yes, because the Tories, the Conservatives know, even though a lot of them cannot stand him, that he's the one that Jeremy Corbyn, the head of Labour, the left-wing party, is frightened of and doesn't think he could beat in a general election. Corbyn wants to run against anybody else except Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson can be anybody. He can be moderate. He can be fiery. He can be a man of the people. He can be a right-wing populist. He can be anybody you want him to be as long as he's prime minister. And he has worse ha- worse hair than Bernie Sanders. He has the worst hair of any politician yeah. on the planet right now. Right. So, uh, which says something. So, what? Why don't they look? Bibi Netanyahu is my most, um, most my most unfavored person on the planet. But very sexy. Uh, not sorry. In my view. What? Sorry. Come no, on. Sorry, I got to tell you, he's a very sexy man. Come on. No, no I don't no. think so. No. That's what. That's a word that I would never, never associate <laughs> with people. You ask eight women. Oh boy. Uh, I'm not going to. But anyhow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, BB. Yeah. Wrong in every single way, but. When he failed to put a government together, he called for a new election yesterday, yes. which is a major defeat on his part, but he called for a new election. Why don't the Brits call for a new election on Brexit? You well, know, they, they could. No, in my, in my, I, I believe if there were another election, they would reverse themselves and say, that was a silly thing to do. We're sorry we did it. Let's just stay in the EU. They might, but you know, all the polls, and I, I follow all these polls very closely. I know, that's why I'm asking it's you. It's still like 45, 44, 44, 43. Really? 46, that 45. close? It's that close. And part of it is the British character, <clears throat> which is that we voted for it. Let's just get on with it. No, I don't agree with it, but we voted for it. Let's just get on with it. We did it. And let's make the best of a bad lot. Uh huh. Yeah. That's the British character. It was a bloody stupid thing to do, but we did it. And that's the British character. And it's one of the worst aspects of the British character. Now, another aspect of the British character is, you know, for crying out loud, we're not really going to do this, are we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's another aspect. And it's really which wins out at this point. And, um, and I don't know. You, I was just going to say. And how I do, don't really. know. Yeah. 
When so uh, after two and a half years, mm. Donald Trump is finally going to get a s- state visit. He's not going to get a golden carriage ride. No, no, I don't think so. No, <laughs> and he's not staying in the palace because in Buckingham Palace because there are renovations. She said oh. going on. Do you know you know how big Buckingham Palace is? I've seen it. There yeah. are always renovations. Yes. I mean, don't you think there's always one room being painted? I was just going to say, there's a, there are also always empty rooms in Buckingham right, Palace, Right, but I'm there's sure. renovations. Oh, I see. So he won't else. stay in the palace. No. Yeah, right. And he will be there in this interregnum, right? Uh, yeah. A, among prime ministers, obviously. Not. Yeah, So she, but she's still there. She steps down like two days after he leaves. So he's meeting with probably the most weakened prime minister Ever, apart from somebody who's got a bullet in them or a knife in the back, which if <laughs> Boris has his way, she will have. After all this, she's already said she's going to resign. The right? best person to follow on Twitter, of course, is Larry the Cat. Do you follow Larry? No. Larry the Cat. Well, you know there's a cat at number 10. I've seen the cat at number 10. Larry the right. Cat has his own account. Oh, I didn't know. It's <laughs> terribly funny. Really? Is Larry the Prime Minister's cat? or No, just... Larry is number 10's cat. I see. Always there. He's always there. And he will be there when she's gone. He doesn't like her. Doesn't like her? He didn't like Cameron either. And he's <laughs> very rude. And he's very... He doesn't like any of them. How do you find Larry the Cat? Larry the Cat is what his name is on Twitter. On Twitter. He has his own account. He's very funny. There's also a cat uh, at number 11 at the Treasury next door. There's a cat at the Foreign Office. They all have cats. They adopt them from Battersea Dogs and Cats Home. They all have cats. Uh, yeah, and they all have Twitter accounts? They all have Twitter accounts, and they're very funny. This is the competition, Peter, that we have, right? Yeah. Yes, right? Larry the Cat. Larry the Cat. I don't follow cat. Larry the Cat either, I'm embarrassed to say. Well, get with it. Huh? I'm, yeah, I'm going to look right it, now. Man. I'm, I'm going to sign up right after the... <laughs> You are, we know, a big cat person. We have I am a big cat. Oh, oh! I'm going to have to get my phone. I've got a picture to show you Here for these go. ages. Oh, Here all right. Go. Okay, all right. After the show, we'll do that. Right. Um, so, uh, what is your take uh, as you look at 24 Democrats <laughs> running, <laughs> running for president? Uh, too many, or do you think it's all going to sort itself out? What's your take? Too many? You said it was a straight face? Um, no. Uh, well, it is, uh, because I think some of them are already imploding. I mean, I'm not sure um, whether Beto is going to make it. Beto, I think we, we say. Well, you can't even Beto. say it. You yeah. say Beto, I say Beto, <laughs> potato. I don't know whether he... I, I think some of them are just going to fade away. Um I think any time uh, there, there are, he, I, I believe he will fade away. There are there are a lot of others who will fade away before him. Before him, yeah. Um, I, I think that I think they were very sensible to up the ante to make it to the debate in September. Very sensible. I think yeah, that, no, yeah. it should be tougher to make yeah. the third one than the first or the second. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's sensible. Um, I, I think if people continue to get in the ring, it's it's just going to get silly. I mean, really, if you're starting to get, you know, people who got elected three weeks ago saying, yeah, I think I'm going to do it, you know, it's just silly and arrogant. (laughs) But one one positive factor, people ask me, right? Yeah. Too many. I I think the, the more the merrier for this reason. First of all, 
I'm not worried that that, that by September, October, there might be eight left, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the convention, there might be two or three. You yeah. Know, big deal, right? Number one. Number two, I think each one of these candidates brings a certain amount of energy to yeah. the race and people and interest. And that's all, I think that all combines to make for a very um, yeasty, very healthy kind of primary and democratic process, which could which could end up in bigger turnout. They're already projecting that we could have the biggest turnout in 2020 that we've had like in a century because we did the biggest midterm turnout yeah. in 2018 than like forever. Which a is lot fantastic. of it because first of all, more energy, more people running, particularly more women. Yeah. Right. And then that was sort of like the first time to to make a statement about Donald Trump. Well, 2020 is an even bigger yeah. time because he'll be on the ballot this yeah. time. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's very so, exciting. That that aspect is very exciting. Um, and I like the idea that that so many of these people running do have very different views. I just wish we could get to hear them because there's so many. It's also interesting because it means the Trump campaign, if, if I were looking at it from that angle, is having to investigate so many different people with oppo research. Um, they're really having to you know, run around with their cams, follow yeah, everybody. Yeah. There's a lot of work for them to do. No, no, no. Right. Some of them they can probably ignore, but you're right. They can't. Uh, they, don't, they don't have the advantage, certainly not yet, of a single focus, yeah. for sure. Uh, do you have a favorite among the... Uh... Um, I, I like Steve Bullock, hmm. and I like okay. Biden, and I like um, Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, right. I like those three. Isn't it interesting? You've got... Um, three mayors running, right? Mayor de Blasio, Mayor Booker, <laughs> Mayor Pete, and it's a, the mayor with the smallest city that is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I like I like Kamala Harris. I like her too. Who do you like? I am. I like the person who can beat Donald Trump. I I I think that's a very valid point and, of view. And, and I must say, right now, I don't know who that is. I don't know who it is I mean, either. You know, I'm a I, I'm yeah. a Bernie bro still. And I I strongly supported Bernie in the primary in twenty in in twenty sixteen, uh, and the only reason I'm not with Bernie right now is not uh, nothing against Bernie. It's just my primary focus right now is getting getting yeah. Donald Trump out yeah. of the White House, just for the sake yeah. of this country and the planet, right? And uh, and I'm I'm not. It could be Bernie. It could be Joe Biden. It could be Kamala Harris. It could be Mayor Pete. We don't know yet. I yeah. think the first debate, the second debate are going to be very, very important. I don't have a say. I'm an independent, so I just watch it with great interest. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a say? You get to vote. I don't get to vote in the primary. In D.C.? I, I'm in Maryland. Oh, you're in Maryland. And as an independent, I don't get to vote in the yeah, primary. You yeah, you don't get to primary, vote in the primary. I mean, I'm not an independent, but I'm in Maryland, and I know that's how it works. Yeah, we don't get to vote in primaries, which just seems mean. Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. I agree. You know, it's that's I didn't realize that Maryland had in effect a closed primary. It has a closed primary. I'm against closed primaries. I am very against closed primaries. You know, if a candidate can go out, that was a problem with that Bernie faced in 2016. If, if he he was able to go out and and attract a lot of voters who had not been Democrats before, who just wanted to sign up as a Democrat or independents who wanted to vote for him, and they couldn't because of this crazy primary system. My, my neighbor had that it, problem. It disenfranchises yeah. people. He, it does. He, he was a big Bernie Sanders supporter. He went to the polls, and he went to go vote for Bernie Sanders, and he was, realized, oh, I I can't. I don't get to vote in the primary. Right. So that's just one yeah. of the electoral reforms that uh, that we need coming up. 
Uh, we are going to take a quick break here. Victoria Jones stays with us, of course, uh, as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. And we're going to be joined by Hannah Trudeau from The Daily Beast. Uh, we just chat a little bit about 2020, but she's the one who really knows what's going on. It's her beat, uh, the 2020 beat for The Daily Beast. Uh, so a quick break, and we pick it up on the other side. Stay with us. This is The Bill Press Show. Here we go on a Thursday, May 30. What do you say, folks? Great to see you today. Here we go uh, with The Bill Press Show. And we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees. Uh, those good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox. Proud to get up and work for America every day, keeping our uh, federal agencies running coast to coast. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program, and direct you to their website, afge.org. Uh, this is a big day because it's the penultimate show of the uh, two-hour version of the Bill Press Show. Not going away, as we keep reminding you, just moving to a new format, new platform, um, the Bill Press Pod. That's what we're calling it. Bill Press Pod, Ooh. starting next week. Woohoo! Uh, Woohoo! A couple of times a week. Uh, <laughs> so that's where you can find us uh, as of uh, as of Monday. Uh, and uh, we will miss a two-hour show. But it will be nice not to have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and uh, Victoria, you and I have done morning radio for a long time. <laughs> Uh, but pods are podcasts are hot these days, and I'm very excited about moving into that and staying with you in that uh, in that new format. Uh, Victoria Jones here with us as a friend of Bill for the entire hour, and we're joined uh, by Hannah Trudeau, who is on the 2020 beat for the Daily Beast. Hannah, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. So, I saw something this morning that really surprised the hell out of me, in a sense, <laughs> on 2020. Okay. So, um, we have two. In their 70s, so we're running, right? Elizabeth Warren's not quite there yet. 69. Okay. So Bernie Sanders is 77, Joe Biden 76, mm-hmm. I think, right? Um, now, you would think that both of them would appeal to people their age. Mm-hmm. Not I know so. what you're talking about. Right. So um, among people under 30, Bernie Sanders is 12 points ahead of Joe Biden. He really does, as we saw in 2016, mm-hmm. too. Bernie really does appeal to millennials. Uh, among people his age, Joe Biden ranks 53%, Bernie Sanders 9%. He, Joe Biden has a 44% advantage yeah. over Joe Biden among seniors. What? Why? Well, I hate to start with an anecdote, but I was talking to my 95-year-old grandmother about this, um, (laughs) who's a New Hampshire primary voter, for what it's worth. Really? Um, Yeah, and she was saying, you know, she she wants somebody that is respected globally as her primary thing. And I think people Mm. of her generation um, look to foreign policy credentials more than maybe younger people do. And obviously, I think... Um, with Biden, that's a natural fit for him. I think, you know, that was her reason. I'm not sure that that's everybody's reason. But I think, um, you know, having somebody kind of restore our place in the in the, the world is, is top of mind among um, older Biden supporters, at least. And I've, I've heard that a little bit in reporting it as well. Hmm. What do you think, Victoria? I think that's interesting um, because I do think that um, foreign policy maybe more top of mind among older voters. I think some of the social issues are probably more top of mind among the uh, the younger uh, voters who are, are also coming with the support 
of, of Bernie from the previous mm-hmm. campaign yeah. also. Yeah. Um, and uh, those those voters are looking at Biden for the first time and so ha- may not have made up their minds about him. I saw, I've seen Biden speak about foreign policy. I've been to his speeches where he's specifically focused only on foreign policy. He's a very impressive foreign mm-hmm. policy speaker. Yeah. Very knowledgeable. Former head of the Center for Foreign Policy Committee, whatever it's called, yeah, foreign, yeah. Th- yeah. foreign yeah. affairs, and and uh, and also former chair of the Senate Judiciary yeah. Committee. So in both, but I think there may be another factor here with this with this uh, this forty three percent forty four percent gap, which is I think that that um, not all, but a lot of people in their senior years want somebody who's pretty steady, mm-hmm. yeah. solid. Maybe dignified that they think they can that they've known for yeah. a while. They've they known can, him. They yeah. can count on you know, and that yeah. Bernie might they see him maybe as a little too risky. Well, and know? also the word I don't, with but, him. Yeah. I mean, the word yeah. with older people that I hear sometimes in conversation is that that socialism word that he mm. oh. labels himself as. So older voters think of socialism in a different light than younger voters do. That's and for a, younger, yeah, that's a good point. Younger voters, it's like democratic socialism is something in and of itself that means like progressive ideals and mm. economic, you know, equality and stuff like that. But for older voters, I, I hear people talk about you know socialism that reminds me of Venezuela or Cuba or you know communism. Communism. Essentially, yeah, yeah. It's different meaning. So I think mm-hmm. that could play into his, at least with Bernie's lack of appeal. Right, uh, and Victoria, you referenced this just a little earlier uh, in our time together, uh, and we saw, I think it was just yesterday or the day before, that the Democratic National Committee came out with some new rules for yes. the third and fourth debate. We yes. know that um, it's just uh, less than a month from now. We'll be in the. Believe it or not, in the first debate uh, for the 2020 presidential finally, cycle. Finally, it's taken so long. <laughs> right. <laughs> it started made way, way, way too early. Uh, and we know the rules there were 1% in at least three polls and 65,000 small donors mm-hmm. uh, and at least 200 from 20 states mm-hmm. uh, for the first debate and the second debate. And they're already, here's my last, my latest count. <laughs> Uh, of those for the first two debates, twelve candidates have made have reached both, both have yeah. met both double criteria. qualified. Wow. Double qualified. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's a good way. And seven have done at least one, so that's nineteen. Mm-hmm. And there are five so far who haven't met either one, including like Bill De Blasio. They still have time. If I, uh, I forget the cutoff. Yeah, it's uh, two weeks before June twelve is yeah. the cutoff. Yeah, right? mid so, mid June for the first debate. They could make it. Uh, but now for the second debate, they've basically doubled it. You have to be not quite double, but you have to have two percent right mm-hmm. in four polls, mm. right? And one hundred and thirty thousand donors, four hundred in at least twenty states. Yeah, this is a good idea. Make it tougher. Yeah, I think you know I've heard both both sides of it yesterday. So I think it's uh, it's a little bit stricter. Obviously, I think that there's nothing wrong necessarily with having a more stringent sort of criteria it because should be, don't you, you know think? it's two percent. If you can't get two percent in a few polls and you can't get enough donors, like come on, you know there's there's only a certain <laughs> amount of time you can go on, right? So like just logistically in an election, um, but they had a chance to to compete in the first debate. So I think the first and second debates are like their chance to meet meet that new criteria. So if they take off after these first couple of debates, they might have a chance to to excel forward and like do those um, you know those those other criteria. But like um, I have heard some criticism that it cuts out some minority candidates, some women. 
um, candidates. So, you know, Cory Booker, top among them, Julian Castro, I think they're going to struggle to meet both of those new thresholds. Um, But if they have a breakout moment in the first two debates, then they, you know, might have an easier time. So I don't think it's an unreasonable uh, criteria at all. There has been some criticism I've seen too, but I don't know, Victoria, it seems to me you either cut it or you don't, right? You either cut it or you don't. I would have thought Julian Castro certainly should be able to meet that threshold. He's been a name for years. Mm-hmm. Years. Yeah. Yeah. I keep waiting for him to have his breakout moment, moment because yeah. I think he deserves it. I he mean, deserves he, it. I think he's very yeah. interesting. In fact, I didn't mention him earlier. He's somebody I'm very interested in. I'd love to I'd love to see the matchup between him and Trump. I think it would be a fascinating yeah. matchup. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's but the, the argument unafraid. for these first couple of debates. It's like if they if somebody who's been lower in the polls or who's had fewer donors thus far, like like Castro, has a breakout moment in one of these first two debates, like he can propel himself forward sure. and compete again. You know what sure. I mean? So, yeah. And no. if you don't, then it's uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, I've, we've talked about on the show, has had a hard time even making it to the first couple ones. So she has now qualified. But um, if she doesn't do well, she's probably not going to get it on the second time. And that's just, you know, how things go in the in the election. There's nothing wrong with being a senator from New York. Right. Exactly. exactly. And, I, and I think of it as like if you're a senator from New York and you can't make it in the presidential election, like that also says something interesting. It does. You know, about your campaign. How about um, if you're mayor of New York City? Well. <laughs> why? Really? Yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> that's a question about why. Why? Yeah. Well, right. we didn't have Cuomo running, so we didn't have the trifecta of New Yorkers. So uh, well, it's a he good, sat it out. It's a good thing, yeah, right? That's, All right. That's... Now, back to the first and second debate. The big question is, and Victoria, you as a, a producer as well as a, uh, uh, as a talent and radio um, and television, the big question to me is who that's going to be two nights in a row? Which I think is great, by the way. Yeah. On weeknights, yeah, mm-hmm. prime time weeknights, yeah. it's really aimed at getting the maximum audience, which I think is great. Yeah. And the first debate certainly will get a big audience. The question is, who's up the first night and who's up the second <laughs> oh, night? They're, they're going to have to like do a lottery balls and a what's it like 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 Powerball. Yeah. <laughs> to, to to choose because otherwise it's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but 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 but. They can't end up with all the stars, no big, big names on one night, and all the that's also. Why, that's rest. why you got to do the Powerball thing. Well, it is. It is supposed but to the be. Powerball it is, is totally to random. Well, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. That's what it, it is. Can't be, it can't be totally random. It's got to be somewhat rigged. Well, rigged. Okay. No, I mean, <laughs> but there were enough stars there that if it's if it's random, you're going to have the odd star. You're going to have some stars in the first night. There's enough stars that you're bound to. Right. You're not going to get all duds in the first night. My point is. You don't want all the stars in the first night. Nobody's going to watch the second night. You don't want Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth <laughs> Warren and Kamala Harris on the first night. Right. It won't work like that if you right? do. If you do, yeah, Powerball, I agree with that. I agree with that. It won't work like it that. Hopefully could. not. Hopefully not. But it could. <laughs> I think about that sometimes too. It's a problem. It That's, could. It could possibly. Yeah. 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 Get the DNC involved. They'll rig it. <laughs> I, uh, I personally. <laughs> the chair of the DNC was sitting here last week, he and was? I told him, Aww. "You've got to, you've got." I said, "Tom, he says it's going to be totally random." I said, "Yeah, I hear you. That's God what they bless keep you. saying. That's what you could. That's what you should say." Yeah, but privately, I'm telling you, you've got to fix it. Yeah, it's it's going to be. There's nobody's going to be happy no matter what happens. It's going to be either all the good people on one night, all the bad people, and you know, it's going to be 
Bernie versus Elizabeth Warren, people are going to be mad that they're together. You know, it's it's you can't please everyone. Just well, do you it can't randomly. have Bernie and Elizabeth Warren on the same. I know, night. but what you if they're cannot. chosen together? That's no, the thing. You, can't. you never you can't. know what could happen. No, Elizabeth Warren has to have her own night. Well. We'll see. She does. There we go. <laughs> well, we should do it then. <laughs> we should. We should set it up. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Go right now. It. Start. Go for it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. The first, the, for, first, the first. night. All right. So wait okay. a minute. Elizabeth. Wait um, a minute. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Let's set the right. ground rules. Okay. Ground rules. It's 10 each okay. night. How many women no total? More than, no more than 20. Okay. Right. That, that right. He has said. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that How no many women are running? Four or five. Okay, then there's uh, two and two. You got to have an equal number, haven't you? No, well, I, don't I think know. so. Depends on who it is, you know. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> all right, okay. all right. Bernie one we night. You can't have all the women on one uh, night. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't have Bernie and Joe on the same. Can't night. have Bernie and Joe. Right, can't have right. Okay, okay. so if you got Bernie on night one, you got to have Elizabeth on the other night. So you're going to have Elizabeth and Joe. Oh, that's a good and they combo. Hate each other. Great. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm watching the second night. I'm going to watch Netflix on the so first night. So we got Bernie and Kamala and, oh, Joe, yeah, that's good. and Joe and Elizabeth. That's good. Well, then you got to knock everybody else out and have right. no, just, no, no, the, no. just those have, two, those four. Then we have Cory Booker yeah. on with Joe and Elizabeth okay. because we can't have two African Americans. So then you have to have. Uh, Wait a minute, um, Pete, Pete, Mayor Pete over here. Mayor Pete over here, okay. Right. If you're going to have Mayor Pete, then you should have, um, uh, where are you going to put Pulling Beto? <laughs> Beto. Beto. Uh, yeah. On uh, with Booker. <laughs> yeah, and Beto. And Castro over here, huh? Castro over there, okay. I yeah. don't think Beto's going to do well in the debate. No, He's I don't that, Yeah, I don't see him doing well. Or put him on day two then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, uh, let's put. Uh, Amy Klobuchar and uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah. Yeah. Just put, do a Powerball. One, yeah. one, put Amy on day one and, um, and Kirsten, Kirsten on day two. Okay. I've forgotten everybody else who's But you running. know what? That's 10. Oh, That's what about heard. Bill de Blasio? <laughs> doesn't matter. Who? No, no, really he's, no, he's not going to make it. Peter. Oh, he's not going to make it? Oh, my God. Oh, he's not going to make it. Uh, okay, so that's so then 10. All the, uh, and then all the rest. Uh, Andrew Yang made it. Who? <laughs> Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. Yeah. Yang Yang. <laughs> Oh my god! No, but I think we got the top ten. We got the top okay. ten. Okay, the uh, okay. rest we can do with and Mega the, Millions, and the rest we can do right with those, Mega Millions. You know, so you're going to have, um, uh, you know, John Delaney somewhhere, Jay Inslee, of John course. John Delaney. Yeah, I think uh, he was Tim, my rep Tim Ryan, representative. Steve Bullock. He was. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dreadful. John Hickenlooper, Eric Swalwell. Oh, I quite like John Hickenlooper. He's quite yeah. interesting. Uh, oh, where's my guy? Where's my Steve Bullock? Marianne Williamson. I want Steve has, Bullock. Has Bullock made the debate? I yet? don't know. I don't think he's I don't qualified. Think he's made it yet. He he's not made it yet. He's I don't think he just so. announced he was, though. No, he made one. One nine hundred. U L L O C K. Yeah. Yeah. He has made. Uh, he's qualified for one thing. He's he's made it. Oh, he has. He has. Yeah. He has. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so therefore, I just think he's interesting. I'm just saying we he's, got we, we did it. We did I'm it. Send, I'll send well, to, you send that off. To, I'll send that to Tom Perez. Yeah, right there after, you go. Right after the, uh, the show here, and that'll uh, that'll let, it, uh, let me know what he says. Yeah, yeah that would be, be definitive. Right. Wouldn't be funny if it was. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Take credit for that. <laughs> That's right. He was. Men uh, mention this in your story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Tom said, "Don't blame me. Blame." Bill Press and Victoria Jones. And, uh, <laughs> and if, you know, if you want to be included. If, I don't know if I should be included. Well, I'm already on the air being included in it, yeah, so it's, 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 it's too late to take it back there. now. Okay. It's all right. I don't right. think the DNC I is going to care about a, my opinion. That, those, those are two rocking debates. <laughs> that was a uh, good contribution to the uh, 
yeah. the democratic process. Democratic here. process. Yeah. We we actually could have decided the democratic nominee just by oh. the choice of, of <laughs> seriously about we could a, have decided if one of these comes president forth of the and, United and, States and wins that first debate based on our <laughs> you know uh, we'll keep that list there and be a souvenir in the museum or something. Do you want that responsibility? <laughs> Damn right. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, what kept the what kept the uh, Democratic candidates busy yesterday uh, was responding yeah. to uh, the Sphinx. Yes. Who spoke? Uh, we've played it before, but here she is. Kamala Harris kind of led the. She's not the only one, but she led the pack uh, down in uh, South Carolina right after Mueller finished. She said. This is what it all amounted to. It's, I think it's a fair inference from what we heard in that press conference that Bob Mueller was essentially referring impeachment to the United States Congress. An impeachment referral, was it? Uh, that, that's the cable news consensus um, that I heard yesterday. I think, yeah, I think we heard, it's interesting, um, the two front runners, polling-wise, Bernie and Biden, um, did not... Yeah. Right. Biden and Bernie in that order. Sorry, I always get, yeah, you know, but, but uh, they didn't call for it explicitly. Bernie kind of punted it to what the House, uh, you know, thinks is, is best. Then I would support that. But that's not taking a firm stance. Biden, you know, even less so took a stance. Um, so that's interesting to me yeah. because I think I was surprised. The almost the strongest that Bernie said, Elizabeth Warren, who has been flat and out she's done calling it for impeachment in April. She was for, the first for, one. The, she, exactly. You the know, very I, first one. Yeah. Uh, and Bernie yesterday, all he said was. If the House yeah. Judiciary Committee decides to go forward, I will support it. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, but it's to very me, measured. To me, it's interesting because they are the top tier people, way ahead of anyone else. So they under, I think they think about it politically as like, it's safer for us to do it this way because we don't, ne we don't necessarily need to get on the bandwagon of like the Democratic primary mm -hmm. sort of like. Um, talking mm -hmm. points of the day type of thing, the way that like other lesser um, polling candidates would or feel they have to. Cory Booker was the first one yesterday, I think, who called on it, who hadn't previously. He had previously wavered and s said sort of like, um, you know, oh, it could be an option or whatever. And then yesterday was like, this is what we should do. So yeah. and then I think Kamala was and like I think shortly Mayor, after that. Mayor Pete, too, had, who had been a little more measured before. And yesterday he said basically, OK, now we have no choice. To me, we what's interesting go. is that so, so. if they Elizabeth Warren in 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 the calculus of, of this um, conversation, I think her stance has the most credibility in the sense that after the report came out is when she called for it so if you don't call she for did. it after it comes out but you call for it after there's a press conference summarizing it it seems a bit weird well it sounds like you didn't read the report yeah. oh now yeah it, yeah okay, it's like yeah. nothing new was revealed yeah, in the press conference so why would you not call on it when it came out the way warren did but, but then call on it after there's a cable news press call you know it's, it's just a bit weird to yeah. me but that um, raises a, uh an even broader question i think about elizabeth warren which is there's no doubt that among the 24 candidates, she is way, way uh, far ahead in terms of policy pronouncements. Oh, of course, yes. Issue papers. Yes. That she, and, and well thought out, yes. well, I mean, well structured. Here's what I want to do, and here's how I'm going to pay for it. Like somebody yesterday was in, had the count of how many people have put out how many policy proposals, yeah. and she's like way ahead. Yeah. Is it working for her? Well, from what I was reading, you'd know better than I, she went down very well in West Virginia when she was talking yes, about yeah. opioids, surprisingly it had so. Trump supporters at the rally, yeah. like people who openly supported Trump Open, showed up. And, and openly supported what she was talking about. Yeah. When people hear her, and she or, she speaks 
She speaks like a regular person. Yes. She speaks very plainly, very clearly, she very does. simply about complex issues. I've always liked that about her. When she can overcome, you know, th- what people say about her, her problem is Trump is able to pigeonhole her yeah. very effectively. Yeah. Her What's good about her is that she's fearless when yeah, it comes to Trump. Yeah, I agree with both of those things. So yeah. it's swings and roundabouts. She, she persevered. Persisted. 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 I'm sorry. She persisted. Yeah, right. Yeah. And she continues to. Yeah. No. Yeah. So she's interesting. And I think she is making some inroads. I mean, I think people see her as, as serious. Yeah. And, and uh, she's very good in front of a crowd. Very. Well, right. you know what's interesting also about her is when uh, Mayor Pete had his bump when it, in the height of his press coverage, people started to you know say, oh, he's so smart. He speaks seven languages, this and that. He's so good on policy. And then the, that's when the Warren, like the talking up of Warren, I noticed began again because people would say, oh, you're talking up this young white man. But like Elizabeth Warren was a Harvard professor and a scholar and all these things. So I think it, it, I think his bump in coverage of being talked up so much as like this brilliant young guy helped her um, in, in some circles feel like, wait a minute, like we haven't given Elizabeth Warren enough coverage or credit for being like a pioneer of these policy positions and very like specific about them. Like you were saying, like not, you know, Pete's are more um, broad sort of, especially in the beginning. Um, I, I think they both have two big stumbling blocks and she's going to have huge problems with her Pocahontas stuff. Huge problems with it, with all really? her nafe. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I sort of have the feeling it's behind her, right? I, I think it's going to be dredged up, yeah. and I and I'm not sure that America is ready for a first husband. I just don't think America's ready. I could be wrong, but I don't know whether it is. I don't know. Well, I think well, even what you were saying earlier about how Trump I, can really successfully pigeonhole her, we saw that with her preemptively yeah. coming out with that DNA test, and I think that was. If that happens again, where she starts to get more traction and then a Trump attacks her again directly, I think her instincts politically are not the best, yes. you know, we've seen. And so that's where she starts to slide again yeah. with, like, responding to him or even feeling like she has to come out ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and it, all, it never works well Never for her. works well so for her. So it's, it's hard to see yeah. that. That's, he's not attacking her at the moment. So she's you know, yeah, on, getting on a bit your of steam, of, you know. On your point about a first husband, I know a lot of Democrats who do feel that way. I don't. I mean, but some people have taken away from the 2016 election that the lesson is America is not ready for a woman as president. Right. I, I, I think the lesson is that Hillary did not run a very good campaign. Oh, I agree. I, she didn't run you a know? good campaign. No, but I, I think it the first husband thing is different. It doesn't mean that no woman could win. No, I think a woman could win. You do? But I, oh, no, I, oh, I mean for Mayor Pete. Oh, I got Oh, I mean, first husband, I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, oh, I, got, I, mis- I, mis- I misunderstood <laughs> you. Yeah, for yeah, Mayor yeah, Pete. Yeah, right. Uh, that is that, a leap. I, I think mean, that's a leap. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's his challenge. Right. I don't think it's his biggest challenge, but I, no. I, I think, you know, he's had, he's had a great moment, and yeah. I hope it continues. But some people are saying, yeah, but he's a little green. And, you know, uh, I, I, I mentioned this yesterday. I had someone who went to a fundraiser for him, wrote a $1,000 check, um, but told me, he said, I, I listened to him, and I thought, this guy would make a great domestic policy advisor for the next president mm. of the United mm-hmm. States. He yeah. didn't come away thinking, this guy would be the next. The great next president, yeah, you know, of the United States. So, uh, but it, it it's going to shake itself out. I have to ask you about um, not well twenty twenty, but not presidential, but senatorial. Roy Moore. Oh gosh, 
Whew, thought he was in tw- all all about 2018, but Didn't I guess we he's, think so. Yeah, I thought so. Oh my and gosh! Now he is he, defying yeah. the president, oh my saying, gosh, "I'm I know. going to run against Doug Jones." <laughs> well, he can run if he wants. Yeah, he's welcome to run, but you know, we'll see what. I'm happens. sure the Democrats will welcome him to run. Yeah, God, Jesus, it's yeah. The Senate is kind of going to be a shit show. Sorry to. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> gonna be interesting. Uh, it's the next to the last show you can get away with. Interesting anything. Senate map in 2020. <laughs> the, Sen- the Senate and the House. I mean, it's gonna be a. It's in the impeach- impeachment stuff we're hearing about. Like if they impe- move to impeach Trump in the House, like they're gonna lose the House in 2020. You know, it's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Uh, there is. Um, but and the- it was fascinating. The president said yesterday, um, I, "I have nothing against Roy Moore." Right. I have nothing against right. Roy Moore. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think well, he we doesn't. I, I think it's so, like. We should also have something against Roy Moore. But he did say, please don't run because we don't want the yeah, Democrats to lose, hold yes. onto that seat. At any rate, what a great time to be uh, covering the political world. <laughs> and what a great day to have you two guys in. Thank you so much. Thank you. Victoria. We continue to work together and as, yes. and as friends for whatever else trouble we can get into. Uh, and you, Hannah, nice to see you, nice too. To Thanks see so you much too. for coming in. Hey, folks, big last show tomorrow. Be there. <laughs>